Sometimes we don't always take responsibility for things that we aren't doing. Like, like we like to blame other people or reasons for why I don't do what I do. Right? How many, how many would say, yeah, I, I agree with you? Uh, okay, raise your hand. You say, yeah, I would agree with you. Okay, and all the people, look around, raise your hand, look around. All the people aren't raising their hand. They're lying right now. <laughs> And just because we all do that, like the reason I don't believe in God is because of the way I was raised, or the reason I don't believe in God was because I went to church and I tried it, and and there were a bunch of hypocrites there, and and the reason I don't believe is, and then we give our reasons why, you know, that like we blame somebody else. It was never I met God, I didn't like him, and I said no. Um, or, or there's some argument and get got, and then, and then the reason I don't belong is usually because there's reasons and we don't ever want to take responsibility for why the reason I'm not belonging maybe has something in me that I'm, there's something in here that needs to be dealt with. Rather, the reason I don't belong is because I don't like those people. Right? How many, how many have ever, uh, because we've all been created, we want to belong. Like, there, that's why there's clubs and, and um, hobbies that have clubs. And that's why, like, my wife has a Jeep and every Jeep person does their hand signal because it's like a club. And every motorcycle person waves when they pass each other because it's like you're part of some club, right? Everybody likes to have, like, they, like I belong to that. And and um, we will do crazy things in order to belong, right? So as I get into this, I want you to think about some of the places where you've, you've kind of looked to belong. And uh, I want to give you kind of the, the theme that we're, that we're human beings, not human doings. And we should do, we need to do out of our being who we are, who God created me to be, and then do out of that. We're not what we do. Somebody should say amen, right? So you're, you may be a carpenter, but that's not who you are. You're doing that, but you, you, are, you are the image of God. I am a child of God. I'm a cohabitant with the Holy Spirit. I'm a, I'm a believer, and there's impossible things that happen, and I'm an adventurer, and there's things that I, I, I like adventure. And you say, well, I'm not an adventurer. I like to steady Eddie. Well, in, in the heart of all of us is the adventure. It's the Holy Spirit is an adventuring spirit lives inside of us and he wants us to experience an adventure so so as we go through this I want you to think about belonging because belonging a lot of people say they want to belong to something but don't fully understand what they're saying and if you look on the screen you're going to see the definition of belong to be the property of a person or thing to be the property of a person or thing to be the property of a person or thing Apparently, it's not on the screen. Here, here's the thing. You, when To belong, you have to give ownership of yourself to them. We're told, no, no, I got to keep my boundaries. I want to be connected to people without giving any ownership to them. Belonging is, I want to receive without ever, and then our idea of what we want as belonging is, I want to receive, but I'm not going to give. I want, I want to receive, I want to belong enough they know my name, even though I don't know theirs. 
like I want to be in a setting where I'm getting what I want out of it, but I'm not investing anything into it. Belonging is said, now I'm giving ownership of it. To belong means I'm going to give ownership of myself to other people in the room. And they give ownership of themselves to me. Like there is a connection. And so because that's what belonging is, we tend to pull back because I don't want to give anybody access to my life. Think about it. There are a whole lot of homeless Christians out there. We were created to belong. God wants us to belong to one another, but there's this, sometimes we don't trust them. Even though God's put them in our life, Satan gets us to mistrust them because they're the answer to what we need in our life. So you don't want them. So, so when we don't like what someone's saying, we say, well, I don't believe it. I don't, and, and our belief, or we don't like them, or we don't like what they're saying, then what I do is I just ignore them because I don't belong to them. I hope this is making sense. So people leave the church, and they become homeless Christians. Now, I unapologetically, unashamedly, I'm calling Christians back to the church. And I'm not doing that because I'm an insecure pastor wanting people filling seats. And if you think that's who I am, you don't belong to this place. Because if you belong to this place, you know I'm telling you this because literally people who have abandoned the church because of the lie of online voices that have said the church just wants your money and they're wanting to manipulate you and they want to control... All of that stuff is coming from the mouth of Satan himself to get us out of the flock and by yourself so that the world can deceive you and destroy you. And then you don't have people in your life to minister to you because the greatest healing you will ever receive is from the body of Christ, not a minister online. To the person watching, the greatest healing you will ever receive is not from me because you're watching me preach online. It's because you have a body of believers that know who you are and know what you're walking through. And they come around you and they heal you as they minister to you. That's the way God created it to be. That's why his Bible, the word says, forsake not the gathering of the brethren because there isn't really many believers that are walking with Christ outside of a church. They're, they're deceived. They think they are. They say, well, I love God, but I just don't love his kids. Well, then you're, you don't love God. Because verse John says, you're a liar. It's impossible to love God and not love his people. Because we're his body. We're his body. We are the body of believers. How many have ever met or how many have families, and when you go to a family reunion or family event, as you may go to one, and you're like, how am I related to them? <laughs> you, you know, you have, how many have that relative that are just crazy, right? Like, you're just like crazy, and you will look at them, and you're just like, you're adopted maybe, or you're... Because you're nothing, you're you're nothing like, and and you're saying no, I don't know of anyone. You might be that person. <laughs> you may be that one, <laughs> right? How many? See, see, here's see, here's the reality. We want to belong, but but there are things there. There are certain people we just don't like, and tr so we try to avoid them. Can I give you a little just insight? Those are probably the people that God will use to minister to you the most. 
And I think a lot of people are looking for churches that look like their family or look like them. And, and the problem with that is then it's a body with all eyes. I'm going to talk about this in this. And we have to recognize that if we're going to belong to something, we have to, we have to belong to something that have feet and legs and hands have presentable parts and unpresentable parts that have the parts of a body that make me whole, not make me really good at one thing. That's a whole body, not a homeless, not, not homeless Christians. By the way, if, if you know, there's a lot of homeless, and maybe you're watching, you're homeless. <laughs> it's like giving birth to a child and not telling him where you live. We'll pray for you. Hope you're doing well. Hope somebody finds you. Somebody will find them, but it will raise them outside of your family culture. So uh, I'm going to tell you a quick story, and then I'm going to get right into the, the heart. I'm going to give you a lot of verses today, as I always do. When I was in high school, about 16 years old, my dad and mom and my three sisters, I'm the oldest of five. My brother was 15, and it, there was five of us in six years. And... My dad and mom said, we're going to take the, they had a conversion man, we're going to take that and, and we're going to take the girls and we're going to go to New York for two weeks and we're going to leave you and your brother home. Because I had to work and I had a car and, um, and that I actually paid for, believe it or not, mom and dad. And, uh, and, uh, and he said, now, so they, at five in the morning, they came and woke us up and said, okay, we're leaving five in the morning and, and do not go anywhere but to work and home. I said, yeah, 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 like every teenage guy, boy, at that time. And, uh, you know, keep in mind, my brain wasn't fully developed at that time. <laughs> I don't know if it is yet, but it's where I'm working on it. It's, it's coming. And um, eventually, uh, uh, about around noon, some friends of mine who I belong to, because how many know we do a lot of things we normally would never do in order to belong to groups of people, right? And so it's important to be intentional with who you belong to because if you want to know about your future, show me your friends and I'll tell you what your future will look like, right? Because there's influence. This desire to belong is so great. And so my friends who were in a rock band, I, I don't play an instrument. I don't sing. But I grew up playing sports and stuff with them, and then they created, like, this rock band, and, and uh, they wanted to go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to a place called Uncle Bob's to get a Marshall half stack. And I remember it well because it's seared in my memory. And uh, they said, Let's, you're the only one with a car. Can we go to Milwaukee? And I said, no, my dad said I can go and do that. And they said, yeah, but your dad will never know because he's probably somewhere in Pennsylvania by now. Said, that's a good point. <laughs> so we got in my car, four of us, and I had a Subaru GL10. You know, it looked like a Beamer, drove like a Escort. But it, it, uh, I got on, on Highway 41, and I'm driving down Highway 41, 16 years old, right? And if you think I drive crazy now... <laughs> I'm having fun. Like, we're, we're having fun. We're 16. We're having fun. And we're, cars would speed up. We'd speed up next to them. They'd slow down. We'd slow down. We're backing it way up. You know, we're being those. And uh, we passed, you know, we were, and then we'd go on a little bit, and we'd do some other stupid thing. The angels of God surrounded us the whole time. And, and we're, doing, we're just being stupid teenagers. Some teenagers say right now, amen. <laughs> right? And... Uh, 
past these cars, past this Ford uh, Taurus, and, and then pass. And we get behind a semi, and there's this car here. And being a group, I'm going to, like, make it work. So I go to, I go to, I, I noticed that one of the cars we passed came behind me right away. And, and I went, and I flew in between this semi and this car. And I'm just, I mean, should never have done it. Should never have done it. Went in between. That car slowed. And then I noticed the car behind me did the same thing. And I look up, and I thought I saw my stepmother. But it couldn't have been because it was a Ford Taurus. And, and so, but somebody did the same thing, and I thought maybe it's got... So I look back up, and I, I see my dad in my rearview mirror driving this car. <laughs> they left at 5 in the morning in a conversion van, and they're driving a Ford. And the first thought that went through my head was, can I outrun him? Seriously, can I outrun my dad? And, and, I, and I thought to myself, no, he spa spawned you. So he's a worse driver than you. Like he, he would do, I mean, he pulled what I just did, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so I pull over and, and we get out. My dad is just angry. I mean, he's yelling at me and just yelling at me. And, and my friends are in the car laughing. And my dad looks and he says, see, your friends are all laughing at you right now. And I didn't have the chart to tell him, no, dad, they're laughing at you. <laughs> They're not laughing at me because when we got in the car, they're like, let them go and then we'll follow them. Like they, because when you want to belong, you, you consider things and you do things you never would normally do. Isn't that right? How many in this room said you've done things you would never have done, but in order to belong, you did them? right? It's the power of wanting to belong. And, and, and it's, a, it's a powerful thing. Now, we were born to desire this, but often we assume that we should belong just the way we are. Sometimes you have to, you have to grow and change as a person, right? You have, to, you have to understand that, you know, there are things that I do that push people away. I need, those are things I got to grow in. But what I want to talk about, before you can belong to people, you have to recognize the importance of belonging to God. In Genesis chapter 3, that said, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed the fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Because when you do something you're not supposed to do, the first response is to do what? Cover it up. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and he hid from the Lord God. Why? The Lord had done this for, for, from their existence. He had come to meet with them, but this time he had to run and hide because he, something was different. Something wasn't right. And it says, but the Lord called the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, and I was naked, so I hid. He was afraid. What was he afraid? He no longer belonged to God. He, he was separated from God. And God says, where are you? And, and the reality is, that's what death did in all of us. In Genesis chapter 3, in fact, it doesn't talk about sin at any point in time. Sin, it never taught, and there is no word in sin. Sin is not mentioned in Genesis chapter 3. What entered the world was death. And by death, Sin and disobedience came into the world. When Jesus died on the cross, he was defeating the thing that was the root to sin. And when he was raised from the dead, his life was being released to us that we would be able to conquer death in our own life, okay? So, so the first thing we have, the first lie we need to deal with is we were born rejected. You were born rejected. The greatest lie the world tells 
every human being. In fact, when I say this, I've said it before, but when I say it again, you're going to struggle, and maybe you've been struggling with this, this fact, okay? I've heard it said, and, and if you're watching online, you can see this online. Why do bad things happen to good people? It's, an, it's a lie. You say, well, what's a lie? You can't answer the question? Here's the answer to that question. Very simply, bad things don't happen to good people. Ever. Bad things don't happen to good people. Say it with me. Bad things don't happen to good people. So if bad things happen to you, you ain't good. Well, how do you know me? You don't know if I'm good or not. I do. The Bible's very clear. This is what the Bible says. When, when the man came to Jesus and said, good teacher, he said, why would you call me good? There is no good person. Not one. But your Father in heaven. So the reality is, bad things happen to deserving people. We all deserve bad things. We all deserve it. Isaiah 59, 2 says, your iniquities have separated you from God. Romans 3, 23, listen to this, says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us in this room have sinned, past tense. We've all sinned. Present tense, we're all falling short. We continue to fail. Every one of us in this room are, are, are failing to walk a perfect life, to failing to walk a good life. People are all looking for people groups where they can belong. So we're looking where people in our name, we're looking because we want to belong. And the reason we want to belong so badly is because we're separated from God. You can belong to groups and still feel like something's missing. You can be in some club and still feel like something's missing. Perfection is required for acceptance. This is even worse news. In order to be accepted, you got to be perfect. You have to be perfect to be accepted by God. And you say, well, that, that's impossible. There's no way I can be perfect. And you're absolutely right. In fact, Jesus would agree. But Leviticus 22:21 says, and whoever offers a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow or free will offering from the cattle and the sheep, it must be perfect to, to be accepted and there shall be no defect in it. Here's the thing. Jesus is was and will always be a perfect sacrifice. He is. You're not. He is. You're not. So there is nothing you're ever going to do. You will never be good enough. You will never do enough good things. If you get to the end of your life and you say, Pastor, have I been, do you think I've been good enough to get in heaven? I'll say, absolutely not. You cannot do, you will never be good enough to get to heaven. I hope, I hope you feel good about that. <laughs> if you think you're doing good things to get to heaven, you're not, it's not going to work. We don't do good things out of obligation to get something. We do good things because of who we are. I'm merciful because of who I am. I'm good because of who I am, because of the Spirit living in me. Not to try to pur purchase something. 
not of obligation to get to heaven. Hebrews 10, 14 says this. For one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So Jesus, who is perfect, died to become an offering so that we could be perfect. Where does our perfection come from? It comes from Christ. Okay, I'm going to give you some verses that are going to really challenge your thinking. That's why you need to write them down and just meditate on them later. But think of it this way. This, what, what it's telling us is this. You're perfect. I, not one person in this room said amen. Do you know why? You don't believe it. See, this is the problem with the church in America. We believe things that aren't true. And we don't believe the things that are true. We struggle believing because I just said, I just said, you're never going to be good enough. And people are like, amen, that's right. Never going to be good enough. But when I said you're perfect, you, nobody said a word. Like, because you don't believe. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's reverse engineer the verse. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, you won't feel condemnation. Why? Because when you come to Christ, you have to believe Jesus purchased all of your sins, past, present, and future. Right? And if I believe he purchased my sins, past, present, and future, I don't feel condemnation because the moment that thing happened, it was purchased. I don't have condemnation. But there are many people, Christians, walking around with guilt and shame because they don't believe it. Well, that's how you're saved, is you believe it. You believe he's purchased, and done, when he's done it, he's made you perfect. Look at this. In Hebrews 12, it says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God in heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to a general assembly, and the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven to God as the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. The spirit of just men made perfect. Look at Matthew 5, 48. This, I love this. I, like, like we're talking about creator God here, okay? Abba, Abba, Father God. Look at this verse. Therefore, you shall be what? Perfect. Say that with me. Therefore, Therefore. you shall be what? Perfect. Just as what? I don't believe you. It didn't sound like you really believed that. I mean, think about it. If there's a verse that you should put on the refrigerator. That's one of them. If there's a verse you're going to struggle to believe, that's one of them. Think about this. Therefore, you shall be perfect. Not just like any kind of perfection, as if there's another kind, but like your Father in heaven is perfect. I mean, think about that. Like there's no even idea of perfection greater than God in heaven. And he says, this, this scripture says, you shall be perfect. Just as he is. What? 
what? He makes us perfect. He redeems us. He changes us. He assumes your imperfections. He takes your debt. He takes your guilt. He takes your shame. And he invests in you the perfection that he carried on earth and in eternity. Somebody should say, that makes me want to worship God just a little bit. Now turn to the person next to you and say, but you didn't know I was perfect. Perfection, perfection only exists in Christ. I can already hear kids telling their parents when they're about to get disciplined, Dad, I'm perfect. Just want you to consider that before you decide what you're going to do. <laughs> so, so we're not good. No one's good. No one, and when you come to terms with that, no one's good. We get what we deserve. When bad things happen, we're just getting what we deserve. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every demonic thing, every destructive thing, every death-giving thing comes from Satan. But we're born again accepted by God. We were born rejected, but we were born again accepted by God. So you have to believe that we belong not to our behavior and sacrifices, rather, rather out of the sacrifice of Christ. Ephesians 1.6 says, To praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made, his, made us accepted in the beloved. Mark 9.41 says, For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his rewards. You belong to Christ. The reason you're accepted by the Father is because God rejected Jesus. It's, it's a pretty... It's a pretty incredible thing. I'm going to give you these verses. I'm not going to read them to you. Just one. Isaiah 53.3 says he, dis, he was despised and rejected by men. It was, he was also rejected in, in Mark 8.31, Psalms 118.22, and Acts 4.11. And in the crazy thing, not only was he rejected by men on your behalf, he was rejected by the Father. You know when Jesus is on the cross... God had to turn his head away. And Jesus made this statement. He says, my God, my God. Do you know why God forsake, forsook him? So that he wouldn't have to forsake you. So he could accept you. Why allow Jesus to go through everything he went through and then reject the gift he gives you of life? Why would you walk away from that? Hebrews 13, 5 says, For he himself said, I will never leave you or forsake you. But, but see, here's, here's, unfortunately, here's the lie that so many people, that when we do things and we act a certain way, that now God has turned his head away from us. That God's abandoned us because of the way we behaved. God never came to you when you were perfect. Because you would never be perfect and he would never come to you if that's what it took. In the worst of your worst place, God came to you and said, I accept you, come in. In the same way, your behavior can't stiff-arm God and his love and grace for you. 
The reality is we've been, we've been programmed to think differently. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. First John 4, 19 says we love him because he first loved us. So here's a question for you. Why did God accept you? Why did God accept you? How many parents are in the room? All right? How many have children? You, well, you're a parent. You have children. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Why do you love your kids? Because they're yours. Why does God love you? Because you belong to him. Think of it as a parent. Do you think you're a better parent than God? Then why do you think that God would treat you differently than you would treat your own kids? Think about that. I, I'll, I'll never forget the Lord revealed something to me. There was this mother of a 19-year-old child, her 19-year-old child, who just killed someone. And the mother is on the news, and she said, he's, he's really not a bad kid. He's a good kid. And I'm thinking, the kid just killed somebody. It's amazing. When your kids belong to you, you overlook everything. I mean, you look at other kids, and you're like, if I were their parent, I know what I would do right now. And then you get your kids, and you don't do anything you said you would do when you got your own kids. Right? And all of a sudden it makes sense. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, I would definitely spank those kids because they ain't yours. I mean, I, I believe in spanking. Does this make sense? But you, God loves you. And it doesn't matter what you think God should do to that person. You ain't his kid. Well, you are, but you aren't. The, you, it's like the kid thinking that kid should get spanked. No, you ain't the parent. The parent gets to make that decision. The parent looks at, how many are just living in the grace and mercy of God saying, thank you, God, that you love me in spite of all the things I've done? Amen. I, I, I've been praying that during this message, you just feel something just lift off of you. Because Ezekiel 18, 4 says, for everyone belongs to me. The parent as well as the child, both alone belong to me. See, you must accept you. The first thing you got to do is you got to stop being self-critical and living in a spirit of death. You got to stop. Some of you are you're online, you're on social media so much that you're, you're, you're in this trap of comparison and you, you think little of yourself because of what you see in the fake lives of the people you're looking at. You do recognize you, you're just looking at a, 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 just a make-believe world online. And there are a whole lot of people that get caught up into it and they fall into depression you have to come to peace with yourself. Stop with the negative talk about who you are. Well, you know, I'm just not that good of a, I don't pray good enough. I don't, I don't really do this well enough. I'm not the best, you know, I could be a better, everything, every time we're asked, how are you doing? Well, I could be better. In fact, the way we talk about ourselves is often in terms of I'm never good enough. How are you doing at work? Uh, okay. How's your marriage? It could be better. How's your Well, you know, I need to do a better job. It's, how many know what I'm talking about? How many are feeling like a little heat in your seat right now? And we don't have heated seats, by the way. Just so you know. You thought, man, I love the heated seats at that church. They're very warm. We don't actually heat them. 
<laughs> right? We're constantly talking down ourselves. Then when other people say things that are negative, we attack them because it's like they're agreeing with us. Because we're not secure in who we are. You have to settle who you belong to. I belong to the Lord. You struggle to say you were perfect and mean it. Because you've been convinced yourself you're not. You've convinced yourself you never add up. And you're literally, ambition is driven not out of your passion for God and who you are. It's driven out of trying to prove to people that I'm enough. The last thing is people will accept you. You have to accept you and people have to accept you. John 8, 35 says, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. You ever go to family gatherings? And unions like we may do here in Christmas, maybe you will, maybe you won't. We had a big family. Uh, my dad had, uh, there were eight kids in my dad's family. And we'd go there at Christmas. And we would jam in my grandmother's small house. And then when those eight kids, my dad had five, my uncle had five, and they got married and had kids, then I, I just said, Dad, we're done. Like, we're not doing that anymore. Not because I didn't love family. It's just, I was tired of sitting on the floor. And then when someone would get up, no one, you'd sit there for eight hours because if you got up, someone took your chair. <laughs> so you'd work it out with your wife, like, you sit here, I'll go get the food. And then you come back, you go get it, I'll eat quick. And then you can sit, you know, it was, it was, anyway, um, what I noticed is when you go there, there would be parts of the family that would do all the work. They'd bring the food, they would, they would do the serving, they would, they would uh, prepare it. And then when it was done, they would clean up and they served. Then there were other parts of the family. All they did was went around and talked about themselves or talked with people, you know, got together. How are you doing? This is what I'm going on. They would have the conversation and the talk. And then there was a group of people that would sit there and they would watch and analyze what everyone else did. Often critical. Did you hear that? I mean, this is a family gathering where I talked with someone for about two hours thinking it was one of my cousins only to find out my cousin was in Idaho, who I thought it was. He was living in Idaho and wasn't there, and I was talking to some guy I had no idea who he was. <laughs> right? But, but so we're in that, so you, are you seeing this? And then you got people, and they're critical. Well, look how they do that. I don't like that food. Do you see? They're always talking about, and they're always pointing out what they don't like about everything. And I thought, man, that's a lot like a church. It's a lot like the body of Christ. There's some that come and they serve in the nurseries and they serve and they're serving three, four, five ministries trying to fill the gaps because no one else is. And so they're stretched beyond limits, sacrificing because they belong to the body of Christ. Then there are those that come and they believe, wow, I love this place. It's, this is my church because I get to talk to all my people and connect. And it's all about me getting the relationships and connecting and getting to know people. And that's what it's all about. But to serve, I, I, I came here to be given, not to, not to give. I came to have community. And that's what I'm here for. It's just community. And then there are people who come and they only last a certain amount of time. And this is what they say. You know, I really don't like how they did worship. You know, I really don't like how they worship. You know, there's a person there, dress is really weird. You know, there's one person that yells when he sings. He's really bad singing. Do you know that there aren't enough people in the nursery? You know what, Pastor? I just didn't connect. Just like in a family when you leave and go, I just don't really connect in my family. 
The reason you don't connect is there, there's, there's stages you go through. That's where they go to church. This is where I went to church. I worship at Bethel's Rock. I go to Bethel's Rock. I belong to Bethel's Rock. Belonging is getting in where you serve other people because you're part of a body of believers. I, I want to show you this verse and then, then we'll be done. It's because God sets the solitary in families and he wants you in a family. First Corinthians says this, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while other presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together. Who has? giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. See, here's the thing. So many people are looking to be a part of a church where everyone looks like them. I have kids and so I want everybody in the room to have kids and that's who I want to worship with. Or I'm older and I want everybody in the room to look older because I, I want them to, I want to worship with people that I can relate to. That is not a healthy body of Christ. You're just the body with all eyes. But you need fit, feet and hands. You need, if you're someone and you're married and you have kids, you need older people in your life. You need grandmothers that are close to you in your life. You need, you need people of different ages. You need single people in your life. Single people need married people in their life. Why? Because we're a part of the body. How many are glad you don't have four hands, but that, that you got two hands and two feet? Right? How many are glad you, have, you don't have four ears? You got two eyes and two ears. Right? We are blessed because of the people in this room. And if you look around, God set you in the body so that the body could minister to you and you can minister to them because you need them in your life. This is why when I say amen or Pastor Zach says amen after the service, the service hasn't ended. We just move into the lobby for the community time where you start to get to know one another and find out what your feet are doing. Right? How's my heart today? How are my hands today? Am I seeing all right? Because I'm part of a body. I want you to look. He said, well, but they're weird. Yeah, your body has some strangeness in it. Right? You ever seen some of the parts in your body? They're not very attractive. You know, they do the x-ray of the inside. I had something done. I'm like, boom, my stomach looks terrible. But how many are glad you got a stomach? Right? Come and have an identity, but they do because of who they are. Because they are children of God, their heart is completely transformed, turned around, and they follow you. And a byproduct of that is a life of 
seeking after your presence and reading their Bible is praying is, but it's the fruit that is a byproduct of belief. Father, I pray right now for those that are listening that maybe this is their first time hearing about Jesus. God, I pray the cynicism, the, 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 the skepticism in their brain where they have all these lies swirling around from belonging and who the church is and the misconceptions about you. Father, I pray that, that the Holy, the, I know the Holy Spirit is good at his job and it's not the well Per, you know, well-articulated argument that leads someone to Christ, but it's the Holy Spirit that draws people to the Son. And I pray right now, the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to the hearts of man. Would it pierce the hearts, God? Would it pierce the lies that they've been leaving that, that keeps them from the truth of God right now? In your name, God, let the veil be lifted from their eyes. And would they come to belief in you, Jesus? We thank you for what you have done on our behalf that we would be accredited as sons and daughters of the Most High King. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. This is not where it stops. Seek your Father. <laughs> it's been a while since you picked up the phone and called him. It's been a while since you went over to his house because you're dealing with shame. Stop all that. Stop all that. Salvation had nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. It's time to admit humility and run back to dad's house because he's waiting on you. I love you guys. I'm so glad that you guys watched this morning. I, I truly do pray that this wouldn't just be up here in your brain, but it would move to your heart and it would be a revelation that in an identity placed on you as a son or a daughter, not as a bond servant that you have been purchased and bought with a high price and your father loves you and he wants to know you, not just in the pages of a book, but he speaks today. And if you would seek after him, you'll find him. God bless. We will see you guys next week.